Hello, friends. Is buying a new car a frightening prospect for you? Creeped out by blood-sucking dealerships with hordes of zombie salespeople looking to feed on your wallet? Well, you can find shelter from the cold, dark night of car buying with our friends at Volkswagen of Boise. Transparent pricing, no monstrous add-ons, and a great in-stock selection of reliable vehicles that will get you to the safety of a bright and hopeful dawn. Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more. Volkswagen. Engineered to be not scary. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. Idaho is full of wonders, both natural and man-made. Some of these are located in some pretty faraway spots, so far that the general public will most likely not go there to see them, just because it takes so much time to get there. I and my friend Mark Iverson from Ida History, we have a mutual appreciation for ghost towns. Uh, there are some that are close by, like Idaho City, Placerville, Rocky Bar, um, Atlanta, that sprung up around mines. But there are also a lot of these amazing sites that are further away in the wilderness uh, that are noteworthy also, that have some incredible stories of their own. Uh, recently, we decided to take a tour of some of these on a specific circuit, and we saw some amazing things. We spent two days of exploring and camping, uh, looking at some of these great places. So I got together with him and Natalie to recount our adventures and share some of the, the things that we saw and learned and uh, took away from uh, a great trip. So hope that you enjoy the conversation. Add a little flair and commentary every now and again. Because I think that, yeah, there might be parts of the story that you're like, wait, what? Oh, I'm excited. Thank you yeah. for inviting me in. Manly pursuits. <laughs> <laughs> we had some great manly pursuits yesterday, or yesterday. We had some great manly pursuits recently We uh, with my friend Mark Iverson from Ida History. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> uh, Mark has been on the podcast before. We've talked about... Um, uh, some local Boise history, and you gave us our first macabre tour of Boise, I guess as a working on about a year and a half ago, go right? Yeah, it was during the summer of what, 2021? Ooh, can't believe you've been in our lives for that long, Mark. You're welcome. It's been a great, great time. <laughs> yeah, it has actually. It's, yeah, I, I found somebody that is as into going to remote, weird ruins in the woods as I am. In our first podcast, we discovered a mutual interest in ghost towns. And uh, so we decided to get up into the mountains together to go on a camp out and discover some remote spots. And I had no idea how remote you were going to take us. When I said you set the itinerary, I thought, oh, we'll go to Idaho City. We'll go to Rocky Bar. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That's JV stuff. Where yeah. did we go? No, we went to uh, Thunder Mountain uh, outside of Yellow Pine, Idaho, which is, you know, one of the most remote. Uh, I guess I wouldn't call it a city. No, it's a town, maybe a village, a hamlet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hamlet. <laughs> a mining hamlet. Um, and actually, I found out that some of those uh, houses that I'm sure we'll talk about um, that were kind of taken out of Stib Night um, are actually in Yellow Pine. Um, and so that's where some of those went for mm -hmm. further conversation. But yeah, that was remote. And then um, after reading about the Thunder Mountain area, um, and Thunder Mountain City and where we were around generally. Um, it was one of the most remote mining um, regions in Idaho. Do we paid a price. Let me paint just a verbal picture so that people know where we went. We, You start here, you start going up towards Cascade. You get past Cascade and you start heading east towards, towards Warm Lake. 
And when you get to Warm Lake, then you go north forever and you get to Yellow Pine. And then from there, you cut east again and you keep going forever. I mean, I say forever, it was hours and hours. I'll bet you that it took us six hours to get out there to our final destination. And when you get out to that Thunder Mountain, it wasn't until we were looking at some of these historical maps that I saw it juts into the Frank Church. Like we were in the southern part of the Frank Church wilderness. Okay, let, let me ju- jump in here real fast. So basically, <laughs> if you're just tuning in, what you guys decided to do was you're like, hey, do you want to go explore some remote mining towns, remote ghost mining towns in the middle of um, nowhere, middle of nowhere um, that most people will never go see just because we want to go see. And we're going, and they're most likely haunted. Um, I put in the haunted part, but from hearing these stories, 100% these places are haunted. Oh, yeah. This okay. is what I'm hearing as a wife. Hey, Natalie. So, so just. We went to haunted houses. You went to haunted houses that were also like extremely dangerous and out of, and in the middle of nowhere and for minors. Okay, now go. Keep on going. I just wanted to clarify what people <laughs> are like, what's happening. I think your assessment is 80% correct. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. I, I was trained to the level of orange belt. Uh, in karate <laughs> against ghosts yes okay yes ghost karate i don't know i just i've i've never felt um in danger in the woods um and we had guns yeah I, I we took we, some firearms yeah, yeah for, for sure you're you're up there and they're wolves and bear and coyote and mountain lion there's stuff like that Mark, up there. As I've gotten to know you, you have an insatiable desire to learn. You are curious and you but you want to see the places. Yes. So let's talk about some of the places that you guys went. Yeah. So on this tour, Mark, I'm setting you up. We went to a couple of places. High level, where did we go? What are the sites that people could go- could Google and say, "Oh, they went to blah 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 blah." Oh yeah, so outside of Yellow Pine, um, I, you know, the first area that really struck me, other than the natural beauty, um, was uh, the Yellow Pine Pit, or mm. they call it the <laughs> the Glory Hole. <laughs> they do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's yeah. And it's really a uh, pit. Like when you're is. on the road, it is a drop into this pit. Yeah, and so that came about because of World War II. You know, Stib Night. And then they had a bunch of different camps around Stib Night. We came upon one of those where people would live. Um, but at first, the area was kind of uh, discovered in the, the mid to late 20s. You know, and I've, I've read descriptions of, of uh, miners or prospectors, uh, you know, packing in on um, dog sleds and stuff like that. And later mm-hmm. snowmobiles. But um, because of World War II, they needed minerals and what was it called? Tungsten? Tungsten, yeah. Tungsten. Um, for, you know, to, to harden materials while mixed with other, uh, you know, uh, minerals mm-hmm. to strengthen armor on all sorts of things like you know, tanks, tanks and, uh, and ships and planes. And then also to be put in armaments like artillery shells. And so that was a huge producer for the war effort. And so that's one main area. So we're talking during the 40s, it just got big. And then it continued on into, shoot, the, like the 70s, I think, and on. Um, but then the other area was obviously Yellow Pine itself. Um, and then where did we go? We went up to the Dewey Mine, mm-hmm. um, which was, I think, it's been a long-running uh, or working mining area. But there was also, I think we were surprised to see so much modern equipment yeah. and like it just was left. Now, when we got to the Dewey Mine, like we're out there on Thunder Mountain. Yeah, we're way and up there. And 
there was a road, but it was gated and it was locked. And we had to walk probably a mile down, like downhill, mm-hmm. this old dirt road until we got to the bottom of this pit. And you're looking up to the whole operation. And that, yeah, I was taken aback by, yeah, this was a pretty modern building. There was a home, which was pretty old. Yeah. But then you walk down a little bit further and you've got the hangar. And they even have equipment that was still out there, just abandoned, oh, yeah. I guess. The crane. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they had some outbuildings that were uh, like trailers. And just it, the crazy thing was, it looks like I started watching The Walking Dead, you know, a while ago. And, and it just reminded me of that, you know, minus the dead people walking after you. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, it, it was like just everything was just left there. There were napkins and, and bad paperback books, which were great. Tons of fiction. Um, yeah. Uh, some fiction. romance too. Yeah, there's some. They just left their novels. books there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's how just... long do you think it had been since somebody had visited there? My guess is probably the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I mean, there are still like references to porn in the building. Mm. <laughs> you know, when men are alone, kind of places. Mm. You know, yeah. those kind of things. Special. Um, yes, it is. It's, it's, it's a <laughs> particular type of culture. <laughs> uh, crosses ethnic boundaries and everything. You know. Yeah. Um, Precious. But, then we went to one of the older ones, I think, that we earned the most was Roosevelt. Oh, um, Roosevelt was yeah, awesome. Yeah, and Lake Roosevelt. And we walked down that, uh, it's a long kind of lake that sits in this canyon. And I read up on that. And um, so it wasn't a flood. It was a mudslide. Um, 1902 to 1907 was roughly, you know, the, that city's, you know, was heyday. Heyday, yeah. And so then... Um, uh, and didn't they have slide. like a thousand people? I thought that some of the things that at we had point, read that said that at one point, Roosevelt, uh, this little community, had a thousand people. And when we got back there, I thought, where the heck are you putting a thousand people? Um, that must have been incredibly dense. Well, so it was, yeah. uh, it was pretty big. That was yeah, it was big, but it was tents and cabins and tent cabins, and then you know the structures they did have, you know, as we saw, were you know hand fashioned uh, timber lumber and so when the mudslide uh went in to that canyon from where we came on monumental creek where we saw the bears remember mm-hmm. that, that was right, kind of right. crazy after we said hey i wonder if there are any bears out here and literally the word bear had not escaped my t- my mouth before we ran up on a sow and a cub running down the road and then up into the forest and i was like crazy. what a pig <laughs> i have no idea i educated them on a bear yeah and so but so this mudslide comes in at the pace pretty much of a fast walk. And so people had time to leave, and some people had time to move their stuff out of the way. But for those that didn't, this just kind of crept along and then pushed everything to where we, in fact, saw all those logs. So was it the mudslide that came in and pushed things? Or I thought that we had said, that we had read that the mudslide diverted a creek that started flooding the area. Well, it, so what I read is it, it dammed the creek. And this might not be 100% accurate. And so that took out of, uh, some of the stuff. But then um, I, this the book I was reading wasn't descriptive uh, enough in the fashion of, like, did it break and then flood uh, or not? But I would imagine that everything would be caught in sediment if, if it had just been the mudslide. So mm-hmm. perhaps it was, you know, it was the flood. So but, when we get down there, like, it was... It was honestly one of the most beautiful hikes. It was level along this creek. There was not a lot of elevation gain or drop at all, but the, it just changed. It was awesome. One minute you're going through just this 
thick brush up, uh, up against a creek the entire time. So you're listening to this babbling brook and the nature sounds, and it's it's just idyllic. It's great. And then you open up into this this long, probably half-mile stretch of scree of all this landslide that had yeah. come down, just rock. That's it. And people had made the path up above the very bottom part of this uh, scree slide. It was awesome. Well, because it's part of the, what? Centennial Trail, were we thinking? Or it was part of a trail system? I think that it ties into the Centennial Trail. If you keep going past Roosevelt Lake, it'll tie into the north-south Centennial. That le- that's pretty big. But when we get there, it's this long lake. And um, we saw the remnants of these, of like the foundations of some of these buildings. Yeah, it and, was cool, yeah. And then it was like, well, where is where are all the materials that... Uh, made up this little uh, community until you go to the far side to the outlet and you see all these logs that are just like imagine pickup sticks or toothpicks that have just pushed down to the end and they're all stacked up and we're like is, is that it and one of my favorite memories of our trip is you going out and climbing on top of all these logs in the middle of the water and yeah. looking at the joinery of uh, that was the remnant of all these log cabins it was amazing with my and, cell phone yeah yeah, and which you, you dropped but recovered. Yeah, and then it broke, and so now I have a new phone. Oh, um, good story. But I said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to drop this," and then two minutes later, I dropped it. But it worked long enough for me to download my photos of the the remnants. Good. And you know, I I don't know. I had to get out there to see what you from above said. Look at those are <laughs> those are that's the remnants right there. Of the town. you could see the cuts and the dowel yeah. holes and. Uh, it was just, I thought, man, time has really worn this stuff down. But you know what's, uh, what I felt most of all, and Natalie, you were joking about ghosts. Um, but that's what I wasn't you... joking. That was serious. That was <laughs> no, serious. I, no, I actually, there's some serious. violent stuff that happened up there. <laughs> that's what totally. I mean. You're going, to, you're going to minor towns. Like, there's yeah. stories there. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, it's just you do feel the presence, whether it's ghosts or, you know, I'm sure there are some for you believers out there. But... Um, you feel the presence of those who were, I mean, the, to put so many people in this tight area, it personifies uh, what mining was, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, in the West, but, um, you know, in Idaho, the desperation almost to to earn uh, riches and wealth, you know, made people crawl up to these places, sometimes Dude, literally. Thunder Mountain, this place, when we were reading that the only access to Stib Night was often either airstrip or dog sled, I thought, to get out to Stib Night on dog sled must have taken forever. Oh, that yeah. is no slouch of a drive on, in a truck, but to do it on a dog sled, I can't believe how remote it was. Well, and tough, tough places, I think, breed hard human beings, you know? And so I was reading about... Um, uh, tied to the old penitentiary out here in East Boise. Um, I was reading about Warden Clapp, a book by his son, Jerry, and he uh, spent time in Stib Night as a child before his dad came here and became warden. And then in Wallace, Idaho, too, another remote area. And he was talking about kids there had to be tough. There was nothing to do, but there were fights every day. And sometimes you just got in a fight with somebody mm-hmm. just to fight and that your dads expected you to be tough, too. Um, and it just was part and parcel of going out and, you know, you know, I remember my childhood days like manly feats, mm-hmm. you know, up in the mountains yeah, and you were scared out of your mind, but you did it anyway. Is that peer why pressure. you guys did this? <laughs> like, let's, no, let's, no, no. we just, we just jumped in, but like, what was the catalyst of, Hey, two guys going out into the middle of 
nowhere. What's your intention? What did you, what was the goal? I think that we probably have different base intentions, but for my part, I am fascinated by this idea of old abandoned homes and structures, like places where there's a group of people that lived, that earned their living and spent their money, and it's far away. And the way that they did it was remarkably hard. Um, And now it's gone, but there's still remnants and echoes of what that life was. There's something about seeing that glimpse into the past before nature has really just eroded it off of the face of the earth to be able to see some of that. For me, that's fascinating. Yeah. And the, the, yeah, pretty much echo what you said, but these uh, remnants in these areas have a a finite, you know, existence. Um, Everything does essentially, but, you know, back east and even in towns like Boise, if we're not ripping them down, uh, they are uh, brick, they're stone, you know. Up in these mountains, there's actually the Smithsonian uh, was doing research uh, maybe a decade ago or less into how to best preserve some of these places, but they're only going to preserve the best, you know, examples. So we're one of the rare few that are going to be able to get up there and see these things because most people are not going to spend the time. Mm-hmm. And they're also like, oh, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but but I just want – so I, I, I kind of sniffed Shane out, and I was like – after hearing him say a few things, I was like, I don't want to go alone. <laughs> maybe maybe he would like to go, but then go <laughs> learning about – what do you call it? Glassing? Glassing. You're like, oh, when Taking I was up glassing. and spot and scopes. And- yeah, yeah. And, and apparently, uh, you know, you can go hack out in the wilderness and yeah. – you know, sure, almost die of dehydration, but besides that. <laughs> I'm moderately <laughs> competent, moderately. But, um, okay, so we talked about Roosevelt, awesome. Yes. Great hike, awesome history. We talked about Stibnite. I'm still fascinated by Stibnite, that they had, talk about a flourishing community. They had um, a recreational hall, like a yeah. big rec hall. They had photos. Like, Stipnite is really well preserved. They've got the mine there, and there's still some minor operation, like a minor M-I-N-O-R <laughs> operation going <laughs> yeah. on. Um, go. But they've got the foundations of all these tiny homes that are still there, the foundations. Trees are growing up in them, all around them. Like, it's a grove now, but um, you can still see the footprint of where all these buildings were. And then to think that they, it was big enough to have the recreation hall. And then they had these historic posters up showing man they were doing like saturday night parties there were like bands playing they had community events and in fact i think that we were reading that the they shut the town down back in the 80s maybe maybe it was earlier but the children i think that they said that there were over like 105 kids born i don't don't know if, if it was one year during the whole life cycle of the community but they their descendants still go up to Stibnite for an annual picnic. Well, there was a town of, uh, I think, Tops was 1,500. But there were, there had to be other people coming in and out of that place. But um, just before I forget, it makes, so since this was a modern mine, you'd think, oh, there's going to be so much more people at this town uh, than at other, you know, at other times in the mining history in Idaho. But, you know, like it just is kind of, monumental to think that in the 1860s and 70s you know idaho city was 18,000 people at one point mm-hmm. you know so it just is like it, it's it's just yeah it was big but it wasn't that big the operation was huge and organized which is i think different but um i don't know i'm always comparing these places but you can feel the ghosts i felt 
those ghosts at those foundations where we were at in Stibnite uh, as profoundly as I did, you know, up in Idaho City, too, with, you know, much older foundations. Yeah. But, you know, some of the interests are the same. That's what I like to compare. They had the dance halls, you know, perhaps a little less prostitution in Stibnite. I don't know. <laughs> I would uh, think so. Like, there were so many yeah. f- references to family events that I thought um, kind of interesting. Different from like a Roosevelt, that it probably was a very masculine type of operation. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, what was your favorite part of the trip? Okay. I, like, I've got two in my mind that stick out. What are yours? Um, so when we woke up and you said, go check out over in the, you know, in the woods a little bit. And I was like, oh, no, what, what am I going to find? <laughs> we had camped out. So we were yeah. all the way up to Thunder Mountain and we were looking for a place to camp. And it was getting dark and we found a pullout and maybe 50 yards off of this dirt forest road, you've got this kind of clearing. And it had a fire pit. Yeah, it was um, perfect. Had a flat place to lay a couple of tents. It was awesome. You wouldn't share a tent with me, which is whatever. That's cool. I get it. Every man would. You were like, it's body warmth. I'm like, Shane, it's not that I'm cold. just trying to be efficient. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I woke up the next morning to take a leak, and I step a little bit further deeper, and I'm taking this leak, and I see this old, it must have been 100 years old. hundred. I don't know how old this was. It was a log cabin, maybe 15 feet by 10 feet. And it was still intact. It still had the door with the hinges on it. It had one window with four panes. Yeah. And three of the four panes were still there. It was on this little, just a rock foundation. It was still kind of leaning, but the roof was on it. It was old, but still intact. I couldn't believe that we had camped out all night. Had I seen that place when we were setting up camp, I probably would have been a little spooked. Oh, but I, to see it in the morning, yeah. it was a treat. Um, and then it was on a pond, and it was kind of cool. And then we found out along that road there was some just little turnouts, and there was all sorts of other, some newer, mm-hmm. you know, abandoned structures and everything. But, yeah, that was my favorite moment. And, you know, I'd like to pretend that I wouldn't be creeped, but we also saw this weird cross thing just sitting off the road, and we were kind of like in the dusk, and we were like, what is that all yeah. about? Yeah, like we think like an old timber homemade cross just somebody like pulling a wagon and you know their significant other or their you know father died and they had to bury him right there and all that they had was a couple of sticks i thought of alive the movie alive i don't know why but remember that the book alive where the Mm -mm. it's a plane crash crash. oh right Mm -hmm. people in the andes eat each other Mm. i don't know why that always goes back to to cannibalism (laughs) with you gruesome well you know (laughs) I, I, Frank's Red Hot can really do wonders with anything. Uh, but, but yeah, okay, so that was my favorite. Um, but it's hard to speak about favorites because, you know, that, you know, I was a, a pig in shit pretty much. I mean, that was my favorite thing to do is that. It was awesome. I, it, gives me, it gives me the same feeling, if not greater, than, you know, even going overseas and exploring something new because no people are there. I don't like masses of people in interesting areas. I want it to myself if I yeah. can. Yeah. My other favorite part was when we got to Roosevelt Lake and we go all the way to the end and there's a place towards the end where you're looking down on the water and seeing the accumulation of all these timbers. And then you drop down, you cross the outlet creek, and then you get into this little wooded area. And then from there, you can get on top of all this stuff and just walk in the middle of this beautiful boggy lake. And to see you walking on all this timber, just so giddy and excited. 
and taking out your phone and just your enthusiasm was palpable. It was awesome. Well, see that you get it. Michaela, my my wife, um, she she's like, okay. I think I see some of that. No, I love that. I love that stuff. I just don't want to go. I don't want to get murdered by minor ghosts. But well, what's (laughs) great? Yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, maybe up in that weird cabin. I think I was a. You were sleeping next to the weird cabin. Think yeah, that I'm amazed you survived that. We're but. gonna post some yeah. photos. Like I, yeah. I might post them on the Idaho Instagram page to yeah. just like a series. It was fantastic. It was be- beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and um, but one thing that giddiness has translated to my kids. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, both my children love to go find ghost towns and places like that, and so, you know, my son Lincoln will go by a just an old building and he'll be like, oh, that's a ghost church. Mm-hmm. That's a ghost town, Daddy. Uh, that's a ghost graveyard, you know, because he likes to go out to the historic sites, and it's something I started with my daughter. And so, you know, it's something I hope to like go find more of these places. And so, I'm when I'm out there, I'm thinking about all the future times and other places I'm going to find. You yeah, know? like it's just it's just fun. I was taken aback by how many of the ghost towns in Idaho are surrounding the mining industry. That really, that's what set these establishments up is finding some kind of valuable ore. And so I guess it's it's no surprise to me now why so many of the ghost towns circled around mining. Well, it makes sense because then once it dries up, they just leave because there's nothing else to keep them there. And there is nothing else to keep them there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. These places I thought, how did anybody even discover ore in any of these places? Probably with the fur trappers. Even (laughs) then, like when you're in the Frank Church and you're looking at some of this, you think... How did they even get up there? It was crazy. Well, yeah. it was a great time. Well, so uh, uh, Colonel Dewey, um, you know, I forget his first name, but uh, he founded De La Mar uh, outside of uh, what Silver City, Idaho now. Um, but he actually went to the Thunder Mountain area, and I don't know exactly how he found it, but he basically just was like, okay, I'm going to – I've heard that there were tailings out here, and some other miners had been out in that area as early as the 1860s but had never made anything of it. Mm-hmm. So so Dewey was smart enough to know that, oh, I can make money off of a bonanza, doctored-up bonanza, right? And so he, he puts in $100,000 on this one mining claim and uh, that had already been made, and then everybody's like, oh, look what he's doing. And then, you know, he also owned uh, some stock in the, or owned the whole thing, Idaho Northern Railroad, which went from, uh, what was it, uh, Napa to Emmett. And then the wagon road that would go up into the Thunder Mountain area, mm. right? And so he had he, he had other ways to make money. and but But it also, he was also right. You know, it did lead to booms, right? So... We talk about the Yukon as being the last great boom, right? But there are like that kind of boom, and then there are just like healthy sized booms that that last uh, within Idaho, right? Yeah. So obviously, mining did not end; it just changed. Um, mm. And so, yeah, that's how that's how that area developed, right? So um, it was kind of a doctored up speculative, you know, speculation um, that paid off. Yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you for an awesome trip. When you originally uh, mentioned it and you said that, hey, we're going to go off in this area, I thought, this is like six and a half hours. I don't know if I know this guy well enough to sit in a car and then camp with him for six hours there and back. But I tell you what, I had the best time. I had a good time, too. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, this guy's just talking about cannibalism all the time. What's going on here? <laughs> and then I'm saying, hey, can 
Can I have some of your wife's cookies? Oh, yeah. I, they're oh, good, right? I get Natalie's cookies. They yeah. were the hit. They're amazing. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't stop eating them. Hey, before we're done, I wanted to throw you some props. Uh, you've got a lot of big things going on right now. Well, I mean, yeah. I have a lot of big things. I feel like you've exploded, like, in a million different ways. Like, <laughs> like I mean, that sounds weird. But, like, no, no. PBS just came. I just was watching the preview. You're becoming like the Idaho historian. Like, it's kind of cool to watch because we just went on this tour with you and we're like, they're really good. And then now, we, so PBS, right? Yeah. And then, um, and that's coming out soon, right? Basically, you're talking, what, what is the interview with PBS o- all October about? October 20th. So they, they looked into folklore around Idaho and, you know, just why are people interested in spooky stories, um, oddities, the unknown. And so it just, so, you know, Jeff and I met on my tour, Jeff Wade, my business partner, and you just pair two of the weirdest interests, you know, mm-hmm. together. And and he knew about the wild man of Idaho, the precursor of Sasquatch. Yeah. And then they heard about us at an event at the, you know, Boise State put on uh, at the museum, the new museum. And so we were talking and I was talking about all these weird things and Jeff talked about all these weird things just in front of the crowd there. And that's how Bill Manny uh, heard about us. And he said, Oh, I'm going to contact you guys. Mm-hmm. And so then, then they did. We were like, okay, sure. That'll never happen. Yeah. And then he did. And he's a cool guy and he's into weird stuff like this. Mm. And so he, it was just, it was basically three guys just really into the same thing, talking about the same in thing. In 105 degree weather. Yeah, we interviewed it at 105 <laughs> degree weather. You were weather. saying when you're uh, doing it, I'm like, I hope not outside because it was it was not great. Oh, it was. I think that's why we continued on with it that that day, and people wanted to go on the tour. Um, but yeah, so we have we have that. The book just came out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, pause. What's the PBS show? Called? Oh, it's uh, it's the Idaho Experience. Mm-hmm. Just if you guys know the American Experience and wider, you know, national PBS, this is the Idaho version of it. They're they're really well done, and. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it was an honor to be included on that, um, and yeah, it's like weird history pays off, <laughs> and then ghost stories. Everybody wants to go on on our uh, walking tour right now, which is awesome. I'm humbled by it, and then uh, we've been working on a, a driving tour in my 1978 GMC Kingsley, and we actually have people booked for that too. That's awesome. Um, and so yeah, it's just, and I, I. More than anything, it's a reason to continue to pursue yeah. what I want to know. So you're going to cram but, six to eight people into this van. You're going to booze them up, and then you're going to take them around town to show them all these crazy, awesome, yeah. crazy sights. And yeah. let's—I mean—and your book. I mean, it just came out September fifth. Tell us just a little bit about that. Um, so there was such a plethora of stories that we found out about that could never be included in a tour because they were too spread out or they didn't have any remnants or, or sites uh, remaining. Mm-hmm. So we took our favorites and we threw them into this kind of, uh, you know, just this collection of stories. But but then there was a, a book came out called Wicked Boise. And, and um, it's a good, it's a well-written book. Um, this author, she focused on some of the uh, more known crimes or notable crimes. And we did a few of those, but um, the, publisher said okay well you got to branch out so we we did and we looked into you know stories that were a little harder to find and and pursue but i think it made our book better so we have a whole chapter on you know fear of elevators and elevator accidents in boise <laughs> sawmill i've accidents. been waiting for that chapter oh yeah you're like Especially oh. in the, yeah in the in the um building we're in right now like, oh yeah I'm a yeah right? f- afraid of the, of the elevator so what's the name of the book 
Oh, Murder and Mayhem in Boise. Mm-hmm. It's a series by the History Press. Um, and so we're gonna we're writing another one with them called Haunted America. And so, you know, our plan is to do that. Um, go the published route and then um go, you know, the self published route too. Awesome. Nice. Wow, you've got a Man, lot going on. Yeah, a lot of irons it's, in the fire, tons just of goes success. To show, if you geek out enough and do it well, <laughs> you could do basically anything with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think that your parents would, if you'd gone to your parents when you were in high school to say, Mom, I, Dad, someday I want to grow up and I want to write stories on haunted houses and take people and tours in a van, <laughs> they'd probably freak out. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. They, they're very proud of me. Um, I think when I was trying to get my you know, my PhD, they were like, "Oh, that's really great, but how's your mental health?" You know, <laughs> it's nice I mean, they asked. But this is this is I took I took that same training, and I don't think I could do this without having first done the academic route. Um, I think they're happier going that I went this way because I actually it doesn't like depress me and mm-hmm. stress me out um, to the degree that I'm not happy. This is. I am living my dream and with my my good friend at the same time, and it's starting to pay off. And I think it, it's I don't know how to explain it all, but you know, it's it's been collaborating with people like you know you guys, people at Coffee Supply and Eagle, you know, Marissa from from Boise. Mm-hmm. We just nerded out for a couple of out or an hour or so. I'm sure and she's going to do something on crime and, and cemetery stories, and she was like, I know these weirdos. Let's talk to them. <laughs> and so it's just it's cool because you're you're like you're learning about all these other people's pursuits and their interests and it's just it makes life, you know, enjoyable. Um yeah. You know, so it's it's more it it truly is. A, yeah, I want to make money, but I th- feel that I'm I'm lucky and rich in the sense that um I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like oh, I'm going to go talk to Shane about this trip we took and, you know, and Natalie too. Yeah, I'm here so, too. Uh, yeah, there's something when you get to make a job out of geeking out that's like, it's just so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's been awesome to know you and to be a part of seeing your business boom and hanging out with you as a personal friend too. It's been a lot of fun. It has been a fun I, I hang out with them sometimes too. I'm, I'm also there. You can speak for yeah. yourself. I'm just saying my experience. <laughs> like he's a cool guy. At accidental moments. <laughs> oh, you know, I know. We run. Honestly, the people who geek out on things were also at the same kind of places because we're. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm thinking of faces that I, I do geek out on, you know, or with often. Uh-huh. And uh, so yeah, remind people where they can find you if they are wanting to find you on social media, on the web. Uh, on Instagram, them. Facebook. We have a lot of, you know, posts on our on our uh, web page, uh, com. You know, we have our events described. We have a little store, but we have free blogs where we kind of um, have created these long uh, posts, mm-hmm. essentially pieces, essays. Um, and and Jeff's been really productive on there. So he has series of things and just odd tales um, that are really interesting to learn about. Um, and then Instagram, Ida History? Yeah, Ida History on Instagram. Okay, yeah. awesome. awesome. Great. Hey, thanks for coming on, Mark. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and thanks for staying alive. Yes. After that, that was fun. I prefer it that way, really. (laughs) (laughs) All right, talk to you later. (laughs) Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time.
The Boise Bubble Podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more.